Good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our morning service at El Paso Bible Church. Uh, before we pray and go on to our singing time, I want to mention a few uh, things that we have announced in the bulletin. Uh, the first one is our monthly church lunch or luncheon. Uh, everyone is invited to stay. We always have enough food to go around. And the other one, uh, I think we've been mentioning the past uh, few weeks or so, is that we have our vacation Bible school coming up June the 12th through the 16th. And there are registration forms. We're still looking for volunteers? No. No more volunteers. We just have our registrations forms. So if, so if you have um, children ages kinder through sixth grade, uh, pick up a registration form and uh, sign them up. So... There you have it. I am reading First uh, Corinthians chapter three, verses eight through eleven this morning. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. <clears throat> For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Our Father, we are thankful this morning for your love and your grace and for this opportunity to uh, come together as your body and worship you. And we ask that we may bring glory to your name this morning. Uh, that you would encourage us through the teaching of your word. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us for a time of worship? Yeah. 
today. Uh, I want to remind you of a couple things. We do have our, our lunch today, and some of you men that were here for our pig roast might still be in a meat coma, but that doesn't stop us from having the, uh, the luncheon today. We kind of end up in a, between a rock and a hard place in May uh, because we can't do the pig roast on the day before Mother's Day. Amen? Amen. Yes, and we don't want to do it on Memorial Day, and we don't want to do it in June because it's like 106. So that was the day. So you get to eat double. Just uh, remember, you know, moderation. Gluttony is a sin, gentlemen. Um, so, but please stay. Um, one of the liabilities to me preaching before we have lunch with the kitchen right there is that y'all are going to start smelling fried chicken and spaghetti and good yummy things come wafting through the door, just inexorably coming to you. And so um, I'll try not to go too much into your potluck time. Uh, this morning, but we do want to make sure that we remember we've got a number of folks traveling and a couple of folks out of town uh, this weekend, and and a number of others uh, that are that are suffering with various illnesses. And we're going to pray for them. But before I do that, Juan's reminding me that we need to dismiss the children. So, children, you can go to children's church. They're about to jump out of their seats anyway. All right, but we're going to do that. So I hope you'll join with me as we do it. Uh, Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the privilege that it is, the blessing that it is to join together and worship together. We know that this is not the only worship event that we are to have in our lives, but it is a special one when we come together and sing praises and hear from your word. And Father, we thank you for that and for the regular occurrence that it is and the ability that we have to engage that way. Uh, Father, we do pray uh, for those who are suffering in our body. Uh, Father, we remember... um, that you are the healer. Uh, Father, we rely upon you through whatever means that you use to bring healing and comfort. Uh, and Father, we know that your presence is ultimately the comfort and the healing and the life that we have. And we look forward to that, uh, knowing that it is um, at any time, at any moment, that, that your son is coming for his church, that we will meet him with the, in the air, and that we will be with him forever. Um, and we thank you for that blessed hope, uh, knowing that that is ultimately uh, the solution and the glory that awaits us. Well, Father, we do pray for healing now, uh, and we pray with expectation 
Um, and we love you, and we know that you honor our requests within your will, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray that you bless uh, our time in your word today, out of 1 Peter. I pray that it would be a, uh, a time of growing up into salvation, as he told us last week. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to continue in 1 Peter. That shouldn't surprise you this week. Some of you all raised your eyebrows last week uh, because we still continued in 1 Peter on Mother's Day. And uh, I posted a meme about that on Facebook, and all of a sudden all my friends that are pastors positive, yeah, that's what I do too. That's what I do too. That's what I do too. So I want you all to know that there are at least like 20 other pastors that did exactly the same thing. So your pastor may be weird, but he's not the only weird one out there. All right, just so you all get comforted by that. Uh, but this morning, we're continuing on in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, and recall that we're, we're proceeding verse by verse. Uh, one of the, the mainstays, our meat and potatoes here at El Paso Bible Church, I think uh, in the, how many years, 13, 14 years I've been the pastors here, I, I think Valentine's Day fell on a Sunday once, and we talked a little bit about love. Um, and occasionally we do some topicals as they're, as they're needed, but this is what we do. Um, and so in doing that, we need to remind ourselves of the context, right? We go back to the very first portion of 1 Peter, and that is where the title of this series comes from, Choice Aliens, right? That we are choice, um, not so much because we were selected like the green M&Ms out of the bowl or the green Skittles, I don't remember which one I used, um, but that we have a choice role in God's plan in this world as aliens, right? Not extraterrestrials, although I guess you could apply that to somebody who is destined to meet the Lord in the air and be with Him forever. We will then be extraterrestrial at that point. Our feet will no longer be on the ground. Um, but that's not what it means, right? Not the, the E.T. type of alien. A uh, stranger. Uh, and so... Peter is instructing us as those people who have this role in our lives, as people who are strangers in this place, the, the role that we have, the benefits that we have, the privileges that we have, the destiny that we hold, and the inheritance that is coming to us. And Peter says that that is ready and reserved for us and that we are protected until we receive it. Um, that's all important stuff, right? How many times uh, in... In your reading, maybe you don't read a whole lot of uh, near history, right? Uh, you, you may read other types of history, but in the last centuries, it's a very common trope, right, in, in literature and in history that people have been waiting for their inheritance their whole lives, and then it's gone, right? Yes? I mean, it happens, right? It could happen. Stock market crash, foolish decisions, uh, any number of things. I mean, how long did, is it, did Charles wait to get to be King Charles, right? He very legitimately could have not made it himself, right? His mother could have outlived him, quite honestly, right? What happens to your inheritance then if you're not protected until the time you receive it? You don't get it. It's a very important analogy, a very important corollary uh, the inheritance itself is not only imperishable, it's not only permanent, it's not only ready and reserved, but you and I are protected until the moment we receive it because we were born again not of perishable seed, which Peter, you know, he says, like gold and silver, <laughs> one of the most imperishable things that we're experienced with in this world. He says, but you were born of imperishable seed, 
by the blood of Christ in order that you would obey him in order that you would obey him that you would love fervently from the heart that you would be willing to sacrificially love the other children of God specifically one another it's not talking about humanity in general and I think that this is something that we lose in a lot of our church climates um, most of the the strategy about growing your church and all that, uh, talking about you've got to get outward focused, you've got to get outward focused, you've got to get outward focused. But the commands in Scripture are repeatedly and frequently and almost universally, love one another. And the example of Scripture is that when we do that, the Lord adds to the number. This is not a marketing campaign. This is what God does in the life of a church. And Peter says that way, that you should love one another fervently from the heart. Additionally, we should long for the pure milk of the world, not the world, word, long for the pure milk of the word like newborn babies. In other words, when you come to Scripture, you are not entitled to be bored by it any more than a newborn baby. We have a relatively newborn baby right back here. I think that we could prove this point. A newborn baby never gets tired of the monoculture diet of his mother's milk. And that's how we're to long for the pure milk of the Word. We need to choose to long for that, to not be bored by it. So that then we're able to grow up into the glory that God has established for us putting aside malice, putting aside deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. So, right, and we talked about this, no more than a baby minds if somebody, a baby doesn't mind if somebody has malice towards him as long as he gets the milk, right? So you want to put aside, yes, you don't want to be malicious or slandering or hypocritical or envious or all those things towards somebody else, but folks, we need to grow a skin as believers, when people are exhibiting malice and slander and envy and hypocrisy and those things against us, we need to long for the Word. Not let that distract us because it is a distraction from the maturing process that God wants us to have. That's all all review. That's what we've talked about out of 1 Peter, right? But we're not done. We're not done. Uh, Because Peter has more to say about how it is to live in light of the glory that God has granted us in the future as choice aliens in this world and what it means to be those people in the world. So we're going to look at verse 4 of chapter 2. And it says here, And coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God. So that's the next development. Love one another fervently from the heart. Long for the pure milk of the world, of the word. I keep doing that. Uh, Word. I used to do that when I worked at a help desk. I I was number five of five Joshes working at the call center that I used to work at in seminary. There were also like half a dozen Chris's. And when you're a seminary student and you try to type the word Chris, it comes out Christ. Every time, I just I couldn't, it wasn't autocorrect, it was pinky correct. Like it just kept popping a T on the end of Chris every time I wrote it, I'm sorry. So I'm going to try to fix that. But coming to him, right? So we need to know that we are, in a sense, to approach 
Christ in this life. That means to make that a priority in our life because there are many things that we can approach, there are many things that we can pursue, and we need to choose to approach Christ because He is as a living stone. Now, that's a simile. It's like that. As a living stone who was rejected by men. Not all men, but John does tell us that he came to his own, but his own did not know him. They did not recognize him. His own people. They should have been able to extend the trajectory of his genealogy and the fulfillment of prophecy and know, but they rejected him in their level of knowledge that they had. Rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God. Now you may remember if you were here at the beginning of this First Peter series that we, went to, we jumped ahead. I can still see your spine shivering. Pastor Josh doesn't skip ahead. He goes verse by verse, text by text, phrase by phrase, nearly syllable by syllable. But I did jump ahead to chapter 2 to prove to you uh, the, at least that with, it's within the realm of the idea of being eclectos, that the idea is being choice and precious and valuable, and it is not particularly about selection. And this is where we went to prove it, because this is the same word. When Peter speaks to his audience and says, you were choice in Christ, it's a long sentence, but that's the idea. He's relating you to the ministry of Christ and the person of Christ in whom we are. And here is where I go, and I'll go here a lot to show people that selection is not the core meaning of eclectos. The reason I know that is that most people will just say, well, yes, you're, you are eclectos as a believer in Jesus Christ, and they have all sorts of varieties of meaning of what that means. But almost all of them are some form of you were selected individually one out of many or one out of few or something like that, like M&M's out of the bowl. You have, if you have multiple children, you have one that does that, right? You have one that may pick all the vegetables out of the stir-fry. You have another that may pick all of the meat out of the stir-fry. You have one that thinks that M&M's taste different. Yes? M&M's don't taste different, children. And so it does not matter that your brother stole all the green ones, so you're not allowed to punch him for it. Right? Right? The blue cup versus the red cup. I want the... Oh, this was the worst thing. We had straw cups. My in-laws had straw cups, and all of them had chewed off straws on them. And each child not only knew who chewed what straw, but what color it was. And they wanted to select the proper one. That's not the idea. The reason I know that is because Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, refers to Christ himself as being eclectos. Now this is very basic theology here, but was Christ selected out of a group of potential messiahs? Say that louder for the recording. No! He's the only one qualified. He's the only one in existence he is the only, the monogenes, the only begotten Son of the Father, uniquely qualified, the only one, and the only way we can talk about Him as being eclectos is value. Because not only was He the only one qualified, He also volunteered. He is precious. 
in the sight of God the Father to lay down his life for us. But though his choice, he was rejected by men. It's a reference to Psalm 118, actually. You go back, that is a, an Old Testament reference, Hebrew Bible reference. My instructor would prefer that I call it the Hebrew Bible. I happen to value old things. So, so calling something old doesn't mean that I'm discounting its value. For some people, maybe it does that. He came to his own, but his own did not know him, John tells us. And we are to come to him in contradiction to the opinions of his peers because of who he is in God's, God the Father's sight. Because we're longing for the pure milk of the Word, and the Word who is the Son is the source. As we're loving one another fervently. Right? Because there's a definition. We've talked about this and occasionally people still wrinkle up their noses at me. There is a definition to love in the Bible. Yes? You don't get to make up your own definition. Neither does the world. The world does it. But in order to love properly, in order to love in a godly way, in order to meet the biblical definition of love, we actually have to know something, right? Knowledge is denigrated in our culture. <laughs> because they'll tell you, I mean, even in, if I go into a big group of pastors and they're going to tell me how to, I don't know, how to grow my church by 5,000% in a single weekend. I mean, this is legitimately the mail I get sometimes. And they'll say, you don't, need to, you don't need to preach that Bible, Pastor. You need to cut that crap out. You just need to tell people to love Jesus and love others. That's funny. Sounds like a Bible verse or three. How did you know that, sir? And how would you know, sir, if you were doing it? It's always a sir, because I don't go to the ones where the mams are the pastors, just so you all know. They tell you the same thing, but I don't go. You know that because you read it in the Word, and hopefully you were longing for the pure milk of the Word because you were loving one another fervently from the heart. There is no option but to learn things from the Bible if you want to obey the commands in the Bible. But come to him. You also, as living stones. You, the same way. Now, what should you expect if you're a living stone? Should you expect warm, fuzzy love and acceptance? Should you expect when you tell somebody, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you. And you can legitimately say that to every human being on the face of this planet. Jesus loves you. Should you expect them to go, wow, that's great news. That's wonderful and loving. And man, we can be best friends now because you loved me so much you told me that. You can't even go stand out on the sidewalk and say that there are two bathrooms for a reason because there are two genders. 
Much more basic truth, right? A little less hard to believe than Jesus himself as this perfect, spotless Lamb of God laid down his life of his own accord as a propitiation not for our sins but for the sins of the whole world. That's a much grander theological truth, but when you tell people that, they do not perceive of it as love. You should expect to be rejected by men. Jesus even said the prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his own people. If you're going to take it upon yourself to speak truth, you better not, you know, do it somewhere but in your own neighborhood, right? Don't do it at the family reunions. They're going to start hating your guts and you're not going to be invited to the birthday parties anymore. Be well received elsewhere, perhaps. You're a living stone like he is because you're in him. But coming to him... And, and this is a middle voice. A lot of English translations just treat this as a passive, as if you are being built up. But I think that it's a middle, and it's kind of a, a volitional acceptance translation. This is valid here. Let yourselves be built up. Let yourselves be built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's a a point to this imagery. As living stones. That idea is kind of freaky, isn't it? I don't do much masonry, but I did at one time helps my brother build his house out of cinder blocks. And if they all of a sudden sprouted a face and started talking to me, I probably would have stopped, right? If you watch science fiction, there's a thread of science fiction in which the equipment is sentient, right? I don't want sentient equipment, right? I don't want my truck to refuse to do, turn the way that I want to turn it. I don't even ride horses. I don't want to get on top of something with a brain. I don't want it to make, decide that it wants to do something other than what I told it to do. I'm not a tyrant. I just don't think that that's wise. It's an interesting concept to be a living stone. But there is, it's a simile, right? It's an illustration. And the imperator is allow yourself as a living stone. Volitionally, right? That's the idea of being living. You have a volition that you can exercise in this direction. And God has a plan to build out of you something. And you need to cooperate you submit to it because we're, his intention is to build us into a pneumatikos house a spiritual house for spiritual beings a holy priesthood in order to give spiritual sacrifice and that word pneumatikos is actually not that common in the New Testament. Pneumatikos goes back, I think it's 1 Corinthians 2. It's right before the passage that Jacob read in 1 Corinthians 3. He read the right passage. He read the correct one. That happens sometimes. I mess up what I send to them to put in the bulletin. But that was the correct one. But Paul breaks people up. He says there are, there are the natural men. There are the fleshly men. You may remember my definitions here. The natural man is simply fallen, in a fallen state. 
The fleshly man, Sarkikos man, is a believer who does not avail himself of the privilege, power, and gifts that he's been given as a child of God. The third category, Paul says, is the pneumatikos man, the believer who is walking by the Spirit, embracing the privileges and responsibilities that he's been given to accomplish the purpose God has for him in the world. And Paul says something interesting about that. He says that the pneumatikos, the spiritual man, is appraised by no one, but he appraises all things. In other words, doing things this way, being a spiritual person, makes you unassailable in your wisdom and in your obedience to Christ. And what Peter is saying here is that for those people, they're being built up together in order to offer spiritual sacrifices and to be in a corporate body together in order for this purpose to be accomplished, really in the world, because that's what we're talking about now, choice aliens who are currently rejoicing greatly even in the physical absence of Jesus Christ on the world and looking forward to the glory to come. But when we look and we see spiritual, holy, and spiritual, we, we need to look at the word spiritual sacrifice. That's only used a couple of times also, and it's always about what you say or sing. We sang this morning. It's about the Word of God that you speak, the truth that you speak. It is not about, I don't know, children, it's not about doing your chores at home. Now, this is not an excuse not to do your chores at home, son, I'm looking at you. It's not an excuse. There are other reasons to do other things. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, right? Other reasons. But in the big picture, the reason that we submit to the process of God and love each other fervently from the heart, that we long for the pure milk of the Word, is so that we can accomplish this purpose, so that we can achieve a greater proclamation of who God is and what He has done in the world together. We need to submit to that. so that we can offer spiritual sacrifices. Hebrews 13, 15 uses the phrase, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips, they give thanks to his name. Church, if we're not giving thanks to God for what he has done for us out loud, do not expect for people to believe that you believe. They, they can't read your mind. They can hear and they can see and they can understand. So you need to give thanks. Now one caution I want to I give you is that we're, at El Paso Bible Church, we do not spiritualize things. That doesn't mean that we don't talk about spiritual things. This is spiritual, right? Pneumatikos, spiritual house, spiritual sacrifices. That's explicit in the text. When the text says something is a spiritual truth, then we do not expect for us to, like we're going to have a potluck. After we get done with the potluck, we're not going to go out in the parking lot and pretend we're a bunch of cheerleaders and build a body house out of ourselves, right? And, and tell people about how Jesus loves them literally and physically in the parking lot facing Donovan, 
They wouldn't see us anyway. We have a little bit of space there, right? Because this is explicitly a spiritual reality. There is explicitly a simile here. When we say we don't spiritualize things, it means like when we're talking about the millennial kingdom. From its earliest proclamation, how would the earliest audience of the kingdom have understood that? Well, they would have expected an actual king, the actual descendant of David, on the throne in an actual city called Jerusalem, ruling from the holy mountain with all the nations of the earth streaming to it. They would not have accepted El Paso Bible Church in its place unless I missed the nation streaming. We don't seem to have that level of traffic in the parking lot, folks. That's not, the, the church is not a fulfillment of that. The same thing is true, like when, you know, the, people get mad at you when you say that that, that person should stop, th- that man should stop acting in an effeminate manner. He should. Well, what's wrong with being feminine? Absolutely nothing if you're a woman. It's a criticism to say anything is effeminate for that same reason, right? Because it's somebody that should be not feminine. That's the way we're using it. So when we say we're not spiritualizing something, we're not taking something that is a literal, physical fulfillment of things and making it into a spiritual reality. That's why we criticize that. It's allegorizing sometimes we call it. We don't do that. But here, we have not done that. I just want to make that clear. This is a spiritual interpretation of the, what God is doing in the church. Talking about spiritual things, and so it has a spiritual application But if our sacrifices, the Scripture calls it the the acceptable sacrifice, the worthy sacrifices of our praise, of the words of our mouth, are to be acceptable, are to be holy, the words of a holy priesthood, folks, it is impossible to do that, to speak rightly with our mouths without knowing what's in this Bible. Again, why it is so important to long for the pure milk of the word. That's how Jesus has revealed himself. How God has revealed himself is how we understand what it is that we are to praise and how we are to do it. For this is, verse 6, for this is contained in Scripture. Therefore, behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be ashamed. Hebrew Bible references here, Jesus is the fulfillment of what was proclaimed back in Isaiah and Psalms and the other prophets. I want to focus on that statement, even going back to the Hebrew Bible, the one who has faith, the one who believes in him shall not be ashamed. The world tries to shame us when we say that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. I will not be ashamed 
in that what Jesus says he offers to you and me who believe in his name, he does actually offer. The world around you says that is ludicrous. To think that faith alone gives you anything. And they will shame you for believing it. They try to shame me for believing it. In fact, there are people that shouldn't argue with this at all that do. People whose vocation is teaching Scripture. And they will say that your faith alone is not sufficient to give you standing as a child of God. But Scripture teaches that over and over and over all the way throughout. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, for the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. People get wound around the axle about stuff like that. How can Jesus be the stone of stumbling? How could it be a rock of offense? Guys, y'all need to go stack some cinder blocks. You need to go work on a construction site, perhaps. Put your sunscreen on. Because it's going to be hot and dirty. You're going to get sunburned. It is not only feasible, it's fairly common for the rocks, the stones that you're using to be a stumbling block. Unless you're one of those neurotically organized people, don't raise your hand because I don't want to hate you. I'm just kidding. If you're neurotically organized, you may structure your pallets of blocks so that nobody ever trips over them. It doesn't change the character of the block. The fact that somebody stumbled over it may still be a little cute corner block. See a little cinder block that looks like it still needs to grow up? That's the corner. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. This is not a matter of being selected for something, by the way before you existed, before they existed, before they were a twinkle in anybody's eye, much less a reality of whatever material they're made out of in the universe. They stumble because the Word, the written Word, and Jesus Christ Himself said, believe in me, and they said, no! That simple. They're disobedient to the Word, and to this, they were... Appointed is what my NASB says. The word is tithemi. Tithemi sometimes means just to put something somewhere. They were put in a place to do that. That could be what it means. But it's also the word that when a king lays down a law, right? King lays down a law. He puts it out. He establishes it. These are the standards. The one who believes The one who believes is not going to be ashamed, and the one who's disobedient to the word is going to stumble according to the same law. That's what was put down, laid out. It's not an individual selection event, although sometimes that's masked by the way things are translated in English. That's the way the law works. That's the system 
Those who believe are unashamed and those who disbelieve stumble and are offended. It's hard for me to even say the word offended anymore because people are offended by all sorts of stupid stuff. Words almost lost its meaning. But it is the word that translate this pretty well. They're offended. They become enemies. That is the law that was laid down. That is the mechanism by which the perfect righteousness that God requires is received simply by grace through faith that makes us born again of imperishable seed, that provides an inheritance that is ready and reserved for which we are protected. That's the same law. And when you reject that law, when you reject that principle, some people get offended when I say the word law, but it is a law, it's inviolable, it's absolute, it is perfect, you can't go to defensive driving to get out of it, right? It's not like man's law, that those who disbelieve stumble, but we are those who believe. Yes, we believe in Jesus Christ, the church. If, if you don't, and this is, it could be confusing to you if you don't, please let me know that you're confused and we'll talk about Jesus some more. But our local body, the church, is those who believe. Those who are being built up, who are being blessed by the opportunity to bring as spiritual people spiritual sacrifices to God himself. Not too raw of a deal being choice aliens, is it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for the truth of your word that a freedom from shame is received by your children simply by grace through faith to those who believe. And the stone that was rejected by men but is choice and precious in your sight and we are in him. We thank you for that truth. We pray for the wisdom to apply it in the, the decisions that we make each day. Father, we also thank you for your provision physically for us today, uh, for the many hands that brought us this lunch that we're going to enjoy. Uh, we pray that it would bring glory to you in our bodies today, and that we would enjoy that time of fellowship with each other. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand with this miss with a song.
God bless you guys. Remember, we stay for lunch if you're able to. I think he's going to pray for lunch. We could. Everything looks like it's ready, folks, but we'll need a little bit of help putting up chairs and tables, if you wouldn't mind doing that, and then we'll just eat. All right.